0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the latest federal aid package proposes targeted support to businesses and workers affected by pandemic closures. From the broad-based support that was appropriate at the height of lockdowns, to more targeted support that will provide help where it is still needed, while also prudently and carefully managing government spending. Conservative MPs oppose a government proposal to return to a hybrid format in the House of Commons. The Liberals together with the help of their friends in the NDP are going to be ramming through uh, a motion that will change uh, our parliament and, and make it a hybrid parliament which we completely supported during the pandemic but we believe that at this point in time Canadians are expecting their parliamentarians to get back to work. And MPs hold an emergency debate on the flooding crisis in British Columbia. There is no doubt, the scale of this disaster is staggering. What it means for people's lives and businesses is devastating. We're here to help with whatever British Columbians need and we'll work hand in hand with the government of BC on direct support. It's Thursday, November 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, what? So the government has introduced a new bill that will provide pandemic aid for businesses and workers that are affected by uh, by the law lo- by any lockdowns that happen. Uh, there's obviously a, a narrowing of the benefits that uh, that are being provided after there were sweeping. Uh, measures to support uh, Canadians and companies uh, when the pandemic first began. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's hard to argue with it, to be honest. I mean, this this time around, it's much more targeted. Uh, you know, you get $300 per week for workers who find themselves off the job because of a pandemic-related lockdown between now and spring 2022. Uh, businesses in certain badly hit sectors Receive rent and and uh, other kinds of benefits, uh, but only if they prove that there's been deep and prolonged revenue loss. And then the other component is that there's a um, hiring credit for people who hire workers back. I think all of that is a huge improvement on on the uh, the wage subsidy, which was we spent an awful lot of money, 111 billion dollars, on the wage subsidy over a period of time and i think when they when the jury is in it will be proven that a lot of that money was wasted I and mean, when we saw the royal ottawa golf club for example got a million dollars and, and and suddenly allocated seven hundred and fifty thousand to its operating surplus you know there were businesses paying out uh dividends and paying uh raises to to executives you know th- that benefit did not I think there were major flaws with it, that it didn't uh, recognize that the subsidy directed towards payroll could be shifted to other purposes, which it clearly was. It wasn't targeted at the margins for the worst-hit businesses because there was no requirement that you show revenue losses. And it wasn't directed at fixed costs like rents. So I think that um, there's been a lot lot of criticism. Obviously, the the theory was speed trumps perfection. We've got to get this money out the door. Yeah. But I'm not not sure that it... uh, that it did what it was meant to do, and I think we, a lot of money went on things that it wasn't meant to go on, whereas the new package of measures, I think, is much more targeted and much more problem than what we should have in the first place. All
0: right. Let's turn next to uh, how Parliament is going to work in in the days and weeks ahead. Um, the government is proposing a return to a hybrid format in the House of Commons. The Conservatives are saying they're opposed to that. Um, And there's a couple of interesting things at play here. There are those who are saying, well, this is necessary because of the pandemic and and it was this is what the format that was used during the heart of the pandemic. And there are other people also saying maybe there's a a potential permanent solution here that this could be part of making uh, the House of Commons and making running for office more palatable to families and particularly to women, uh, because they might not have to travel to Ottawa and spend all their time in Ottawa every week. Um, so where do you, where do you think this is going and, and what are your thoughts on the Conservatives opposing this format?
1: Well, I think it, the, the, the onus is on the, the Liberals proposing it. I mean, pearls of living in a, in a country like Canada. But the, the bottom line is no government enjoys enjoys it when the House is sitting because they are scrutinized and their uh, the, the policies are pulled apart in the House of Commons, which is what it's there for. And so this hybrid parliament is entirely designed I mean, COVID, give me a break. I mean, they were all mingling with one another, shaking hands. You know, there was no social distancing on, on Monday when when we all came back. It was very Everybody was there and there was no concern about COVID. You know, clearly, if there was a fourth wave and and it it became a a major issue, then you've got to look at that again. And obviously, the technology, since we have the technology, it could be used in cases where members can't get there. But there's a requirement you turn up for work. The rest of us have to turn up for work. MPs should turn up for work and they should be, their actions in government should be scrutinized by... (laughs) I I used a quote today from Horace Walpole, who said that opposition MPs should regard uh, government ministers as uh, public enemies. You know, that's the level of suspicion which which, uh, opposition should look at governments with and scrutinise what they're up to. And this is just a method of avoiding that scrutiny. I mean, during the pandemic, there was generally one Liberal member in the House. And most of them were, were not on the virtual parliament during question period. I can sympathize with that. I watched Parliament uh, House, of, the question period yesterday in the House of Commons. Only three members of the government stood up and two of those were uh, backbench MPs questioning, lobbying underarm questions to the, to the Prime Minister about how great he was. You know, on the NDP side, only Jagmeet Singh stood up. On the Block side, only Blochette stood up. On the Conservative side, I think there were five frontbench MPs who stood up and asked questions. The vast majority of MPs Played on their cell phones, wrote Christmas cards, did whatever they have to do for the constituencies, and uh, I'm sure considered a gigantic waste of time. But that's how the House of Commons has always operated, and that's how I think it should, should continue to operate.
0: Okay, really interesting to hear your thoughts on that. All right, let's let's turn to last night's emergency <laughs> debate in the House of Commons on the situation in British Columbia um and and you know there obviously there's a lot going on there and and there's much that needs to be addressed and there is lots of discussion around what the what the federal government's role should be in that and layered on top of all of that um, is is the fact that this once again introduces the the real and immediate consequences of climate change um so what did you make of the of the emergency debate and some of the comments arising from it
1: well I think raises awareness about this issue is really useful. And, you know, we, we we often talk about climate change and trying to, trying to uh, uh, keep a, the rise in average temperatures to 1.5 degrees. I think what this underscores is that there, there needs to be more aggressive action on adaptation and mitigation because we know this is not an isolated case. We're seeing it in, in Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and Labrador as well, where they're, they're having their own floods due to heavy rain. And the government mentioned in the throne speech this week that it's got a, a national adaptation strategy, which I, I think I, I was frankly not aware of and, and I've since, since looked into. This thing is ongoing. There are five tables out there that are going to produce results by January with, a, with, a, um, with recommendations to come in a report next fall. I think what we can see already is that um, we're not spending enough on on adaptation i mean ed fast and uh, uh, the mp for abbotsford whose writings at the heart of this flooded region you know he said that this all levels of government in canada knew that uh there was the potential for devastating floods in abbotsford but didn't act to prevent them you know and he's been the mp in abbotsford for for a long long time so um you know i think the the um the federation of canadian municipalities and the insurance bureau of canada suggested that we need to spend at least $5.3 billion at various levels of government on adapting to uh, to what we suspect is going to be a change in climate. We're nowhere near that at the moment. We do have a national disaster mitigation fund, but it's it's not spending anywhere close to, to those sums. And I suspect what this report next fall will, will recommend is that we, we spend an awful lot more money built building flood walls and whatever else is required to uh, avoid repetitions of what we're seeing in B.C. and in Nova Scotia and in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah.
0: All right, John, thanks for providing your thoughts on all these topics. Have a great day.
1: And to you, Mark. Thanks a lot. That's
0: John Iveson of the National Post. I'm trying to hear the questions and the responses and answers. I just want to make sure that everybody wants to hear them as well. Uh, Good. Okay. good. We're good to proceed. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues the new question period sounds much like the old one. Martin writes, You tune in to the first question period after the Great Reset to see an in-person House of Commons for the first time since March 2020, with faint hopes it would be different. But it dawned Wednesday with the same old, same old mishmash of hyperventilating theatrics and selective deafness to serious questions— from leaders delivering practiced lines they'd rehearsed two hours earlier. We should have known what was coming. After all, this 44th Parliament is simply a copy and paste of the 43rd. In McLean's, Marie Danielle Smith argues, the speech from the throne was short on substance. Smith writes, Tuesday's speech from the throne turned out pretty thin, short on length and short on substance despite all the big themes the Liberal government signaled in their parliamentary scene-setter. The warning that Earth is in danger made it into a Globe and Mail headline, sure, but that statement didn't come with any major adjustment of the Liberal climate plan. Not a very ambitious outing for a crew that was not so long ago claiming September's pandemic-era election was the most important in our lifetimes. In the National Post, Terry Glavin argues platitudes about climate change won't help the victims of the massive devastation in B.C. Glavin writes, The people of B.C.'s southern interior need no lectures about climate change. This century began with mean average temperatures warmer than anything in 8,000 years, and it only took subtle weather changes and the absence of winter cold snaps for a beetle infestation to carry away 18 million hectares of pine forest. The people of the Fraser Canyon, the Nicola Valley, the Tulameen Country, and the entire southern interior are going to need a lot more than our earth is in danger platitudes to survive what has happened there. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And NDP leader Jugmeet Singh. Will meet with the Canadian Medical Association. He will also hold a news conference to speak about the nursing shortage before attending question period. And that's CPAC today in politics for Thursday, November 25th. Tune into primetime politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.